0: How is it? Is that better? Directionally?
1: I think so. Right. One, two, three.
0: Testing, testing. One, two, three.
1: Alright. I, I think, yeah, it's recording. It's just going to keep rolling.
0: Alright. Well, it's our uh, it's our first first podcast together.
1: We're all up in uh, the filmmakers' ear holes. <laughs> Alright, do you want to do the intros? Are yeah,
0: you? I guess let's just do the intro and as we warm up, maybe we'll come back and like do whatever banter we
1: want. Okay, we're cool. So,
0: back to your ones. Reset, everyone back to ones. And we're cut, everyone back to one. Okay, here we go. Everyone into ones, here we go. Once. I'm
1: Christina Wren. And I'm Demetrius Wren.
0: I'm an actor and a screenwriter.
1: And I'm a screenwriter and director.
0: And we've been making content together since the day we met.
1: Yeah, since the day we were doing what was that site? Specific
0: specific dance on film in iconic New York City locations. Oh, man,
1: you still remember the pitch. Mm-hmm. See, that's why you're the producer and not uh-huh. the guy who was just there filming.
0: Hey, no, you like made it loop infinitely. It was very cool and artistic.
1: No director wants their movie to end, so obviously ah! I made it loop. <laughs> From commercials to feature films to branded content to documentaries to short films to art installation videos all over the world.
0: This is a show about the day-to-day journey of a creative. Not just the mountaintop Tonight Show highlights, but what the ins and outs of this life really look like.
1: Sometimes it'll be conversations between Christina and I.
0: And sometimes we'll bring on friends and collaborators to talk about everything from raising money, pitching, getting the part, doing rewrites, navigating distribution in this evolving media ecosystem.
1: And also tell your cousin who says they have no idea what a producer does to listen in. Maybe they'll understand you better at the next holiday meal.
0: This is Back to Your Ones, a podcast about the day-to-day life of filmmakers and creatives.
1: Let's get it. Ones.
0: Okay, so we do a bunch of different kinds of work, and the process is obviously different if you're talking about a huge global brand campaign or an art piece with an indie musician. So today we're going to talk about making your own indie film or series.
1: It's interesting because like at this point in life, everyone has a filmmaking box in their pocket. It the is. cell phone. Yeah, the cell phone, the filmmaking <laughs> studio. You can buy all the apps. Actually, a lot of them are free now.
0: Mm-hmm, and they're really good.
1: But the people are still a little bit like, well, how do I make my first film? And they you know, maybe they say, oh, I'm not really a filmmaker because I haven't done it yet. But it's like, or maybe they think they need $50 million. And
0: or even without money, that it needs to be perfect. It
1: needs to be perfect. Like,
0: this has to be Academy Award winning, my first five-minute short film.
1: Yeah, which no one's... I
0: mean, good luck. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I always, what did I used to say? Uh, your first film is always going to be your worst one, so get it out of the way. Just get out
0: of it. Just do it, yeah.
1: Yeah, your first yeah, yeah. draft of a script is going to be the worst it's ever going to be, so just write that first draft so you can get moving to the second.
0: And, like, the first draft, admittedly, is really hard. I have, you know, written a handful of things at this point, but I still, when I sit down with a blank page, even if I am excited about my idea, I, I do feel sometimes just a crippling, overwhelming weight
1: of a hmm. blank page. So what do you do with that? I mean, do you just, how do you get through that?
0: You just have to take action. At least for me, I just have to do something. So even if to your point, it's like total trash, mm. just write something, just sit down and write, get something on the page. You know, it helps me for sure that I have learned too. is just really good outlining. Mm. And sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes I'm like, I have this idea. And my first few Things I wrote, I didn't even know how to outline. Um, But then I would find myself sort of meandering through 90 pages of stuff that we wouldn't even use, you know.
1: Before we even get to outline space, how do you know what you want to write? How do you know this is the idea I want to make? how do you know that this idea is worth making? Like what's that whisper that that is inside that makes you say, okay, this is the one I'm doing versus maybe all the million ideas you might have that never become a script or never become more than just that thing circling in your head.
0: I don't know if there's one answer, like every single time it's the same. Um, right. I think the first thing I, we produced that I had written, I had like written a couple of things that I never showed anybody and that were, absolutely terrible trash.
1: We all have that. You I know, know what you mean. <laughs> yeah.
0: But they were the first things that I like sat down and tried to learn, you know, screenwriting format and I at least like...
1: Were but, you writing in like final draft or were you writing no, in like notepad? No,
0: text edit. Text edit. You text edit. I was studying in South Africa and I had not had a computer in college. Didn't have a lot of extra cash. But when I went to South Africa, my dad gave me, I think it was his old work laptop. It oh, was sure. a, you know, like Microsoft or Dell. I think it was a Dell. And it's infamous, like, a big, square, chunky...
1: Dad, ex-work laptop exactly. that becomes your dorm. I, I know what you're talking and about. And there
0: was, like, no Microsoft Word, even. I think I had, right. like... I had the Internet Explorer and, like, text edit. I think that was literally it.
1: We had Word Perfect because, like, getting Word was...
0: Like, well, you had to buy it per computer. Exactly. So it wasn't like you buy a subscription. Like yeah, You yeah. buy it, and then... That's it.
1: That, that computer had so, it. So,
0: um... But, yeah, so I wrote my first trash screenplay and text edit. So I'm going like space, 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 oh, yeah, space, space tab. to try to get, yeah, like your, you know, character names lined up, whatever. Um, but in terms of now, how I know what idea I want to pursue, like when we did Hicksters, for example, okay. you know, yeah. I had a sci-fi feature that I really was excited about, but it would be a lot harder to execute. Mm-hmm. And I thought like both, I knew that the writing of it needed to be really, really pristine if you're creating this new world and all of the rules of it. And I had a friend who's a great writer, Dan asked, read it. And his note was, it's a great first and second act, but you don't have a third act. And I just, (laughs) like, I never found the third act. But I had Hicksters, which the story was really clear it felt timely, and it's a character-driven comedy. It's so my friend had a farm. Like, we could just go make it.
1: Even though the resources would seem exotic to someone else, like, wow, how'd you get a farm? You were writing something that you knew you had access to a farm. Yeah, and you had access yeah. to This location or these people. So um, what was your everyday became mm-hmm. the um, production value, so to speak. Totally. To someone else. You
0: know, it is a, always like a, if you build it, they work from. Right.
1: So many people do want to do cool stuff but some of us are people who start things. <laughs> some of us are people who, you know, grab the baton in the middle. Some people are the folks at the finish line in form of distribution or who are just looking for things that are finished. You know, a lot of those concepts of like, okay, I have an idea, but I don't know uh, what to do next, but I have the idea. I mean, oftentimes just proclaiming the idea or starting on the idea and all of a sudden, you know, people that you would have never expected, people you would have never thought to meet uh, will appear, you know?
0: And sometimes the people you think will support you don't. So yeah, you be sure. disheartened if it's your best friends who actually don't be yeah um, don't let that bring you down
1: people oftentimes know you based upon how they know you and mm-hmm. so if they've known you all your life as being uh my buddy who likes to talk movies is making a movie you know they may have a certain attitude but then that random person online that you posted that job for to help you know, do some rewrites, they know you as a person who wrote a script and that's how they know you. And so all of a sudden they're ready to jump on board. Whereas your friend, maybe they're just not even sure where this is going. So they just don't know if they can jump in yet. Uh, uh, So they're not trying to be mean, but sometimes they have a preconceived um, idea of what you're capable of. And sometimes you do for yourself as well. And you have to expand that a little bit. What about you? Oh man, about me and ideas, you know, I I have ideas based upon uh, this philosophy as artists that we have this... sixth sense, I guess, whatever you want to call it. That's really giving meaning to our current existence. And then there's this like scariness, this urgency, like I got to say it now because I need to be a part of the conversation, or at least I want to give some hope or guidance or saying you're not alone to people who are experiencing something right now. Um, and I'm doing it this way. So that's where I kind of have my ideas and that's what makes it from like just a bullet point. On my notes app to me opening up final draft and starting to write it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's mm-hmm. my, uh, I don't know, litmus test.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important one. And you're so right. Like you have to start from a place of purpose.
1: You know? Yeah. Well, I was, you know, outlining is a funny thing too, because like I, and I've heard about a lot of writers who are this way. Like some people can't outline, so they just start writing and they're totally fine with that. And other people who, like you were saying, if they start writing without an outline, it's like being dropped off in the forest and just, you know, not knowing which way is home. And so you just mm-hmm. circle for hours. You don't even realize you're aimless. And so when you have that outline, it's like having a map where the rest of us is more like playing a video game where you can't, you don't know the map until you start walking the, mm. the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we all have different ways of coming to a story. And I did hear about like Barry Jenkins and their other writers who, still buy those pack of, like, legal pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they write the entire screenplay by hand with, like, a red ink pen.
0: Incredible, yeah. And
1: then they type it up. I, and I always thought that... I wonder what that is. Like, if there's a a part of you when you have to literally put pen to paper where you're more specific mm-hmm. about what you're doing, so you mentally make a choice. But I don't know. It's different, different techniques. So we discovered the idea. Now you've got to write it. And I have a question about this, you know, because, like, some people... They want to lock like they're you know Michelangelo, and they lock themselves in a room. And they come out with this masterpiece, and then there's that other people. doesn't nice. it? and I feel like that's <laughs> they don't like have the kids. <laughs> well, that's the, that the exact. And and everybody has this myth that deep down inside that that being a real filmmaker is being an artur. I think that's something we learn in film school. I think or something not in purpose, not like our film schools teach us. It's just that when you learn about filmmaking, you're being taught the artur's who are just these what, the myth of the fully formed individual but then there's like people who collaborate who become have co-writers and co-directors and i was wondering like in your process like do you like to be um, a co-writer when you're getting that idea and getting it written have you ever thought about like hiring a writer because you have an idea you just want to make it Or is it the type of thing where you do feel like, okay, this is my baby. I need to protect it. I'm going to write it with myself. Like, where do you you fall in that process?
0: Kind of in the middle. I don't want to say, here's my idea. Someone else go write it. Okay. I definitely have a sense of, like, I don't know if it's ownership or... I just can see what it is and I'd be afraid to, like... If I did that, I would just be like, that's just yours. You know what I mean? Like, here's an idea, but you can have it. Um, But I do really like to collaborate. And I know the limitations of my own mind and my own experiences and imagination. And I actually really hunger for a writer's room. Sure. And so, you know, my first experience of that was doing half sisters. Um, and I come from a devised theater background, which is a community of people together, writing different pieces and building something new together. And so that is still very much in my DNA. And I do think that a group of people who are communicating well, kind to each other, it's like a good improv partner, right? Like you, yes, and, and um, mm-hmm. you all, you know, pull your weight and you do research and whatever. Like with Hicksters, we had an amazing experience. Right. Um, so I had written a pilot and I outlined the series.
1: So yeah, you kind of had that pilot as a, so that maybe it's the best of both worlds. Like if mm-hmm. you're doing a TV show, you have the pilot that sets the tone that lets everyone know, hey, this is what I have in my head.
0: Yeah. This is what I'm going yeah.
1: for. But then, like, the awareness that, you know, the most complex stories are informed by many different people yeah. um, coming from many different backgrounds. And so, it seems like that's kind of like a really cool way to do both.
0: Totally. And I can't wait to have a writer's room on Inland, like the thing that I'm writing right now. Oh, I am, yeah. you know, desperate to have some great minds uh, contributing to it. So, but I, I've been working on the pilot for a year, uh, you yeah. know, well, because I have children. So, I have not michelangelo to myself in a room. I've taken whatever scraps of time I can get here and there. How about you? How do you prefer to work? I know, but tell the world.
1: Oh, tell the world. I mean, you know, it's interesting because there have been ideas that you you kind of wonder would someone else be better for that, right? What's more important, myself and my voice or the idea getting out there in the world? Mm. You know, Um, because if I have this idea, and so sometimes you wonder, is it the type of thing where you just kind of brainstorm it with somebody at a coffee shop and wait to see if they write it, you know? Mm So I I think about some of my friends that make films. I think Dan, for example, that we've both been friends with for a while and worked with, just his ability to deal with this sort of um, mystery, true crime. It's Mm -hmm. not quite horror, but it kind of rolls that way. Mm -hmm. The way he handles it as a writer will make me sometimes think, ah, oh, you know, I have this idea and I want it to come to life and I feel like Dan's the one who could pull it off, right? That
0: makes sense, yeah. And
1: then there's other things where you're like, this is my idea, it came from me and I'm just going to go write it and give me give me three weeks and I'll get it done. Interesting thing that we still imagine ourselves as um, being able to do it all, but a film has uh, so many credits that people leave the theater, come back and the credits are still going.
0: Right, yeah, right. Yeah, but we
1: still think it's... Um, Maybe It's like just one
0: one right. voice behind it one head. No, it is such a collaborative medium. It yeah. really is. Yeah. The myth of the the like solo genius oh, yeah. with all the minions running around.
1: I mean, I can sure you're ready to have that collaborator cuz you you know an idea is like this little baby you know? And when a baby's one month old or one week old, we're very delicate with it. We don't let just anybody hold it. We let our closest family members hold it, who will care for that baby and care for you. But then as the baby grows and gets stronger and the idea is more developed, you kind of have to take those baby steps when you're bringing people into something.
0: What you talk about is so real, because there are plenty of conversations I've had with other writers or filmmakers, and someone's like, I had this thing. And it's this like buddy comedy and right. can we brainstorm maybe we can do it together and i'll sit and brainstorm and like throw out some ideas and those ones i am like you can have it yeah, that's like yours. that's yours that's your yeah pitch. and and the whole like is it your baby or is it someone else's baby i think you know it's um elizabeth gilbert in, and i think she was quoting someone else but she was talking about um mm-hmm. you know the muse essentially you know, wherever these creative ideas come from, or maybe it's just something in the water at a given time or whatever, but like some are meant for you and some aren't. Well, let me ask you, what if you did have something that like was one of the ones that's super near and dear to you, not one of the ones that you're like, that's not really mine, but something that was so near and dear to you. And then, you know, you felt like you lost it. And, uh, and now because someone else did it, you can't, or, you know, there's not like space in the, landscape right now or maybe you know someone else has more connections or
1: right yeah i mean that that is a fear that we all have i still think fundamentally and this is more of a logistical thing than an actual thing because obviously our emotions are attached to things differently than what we like psychologically know but like your idea is your idea and no one's going to tell it like you and so if you still get around to writing your own story even if you feel like the themes and things have shown up In other pieces, um, it's still just going to resonate as you. Now, there is that feeling that when you pitch your story, people are going to be like, oh, it's like this. And you're going to be like, ah, but I've often thought like, just embrace it, you know, Mm -hmm. just say, Hey, I'm making a film like this, but I'm going to tell it like this. And then the person Mm -hmm. might actually lean in more because that other idea came out first. It's making it it easier for you to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like lean in that confidence that, And maybe it has to be a little bit of a fake-it-till-you-make-it confidence of, like, my version in my head, especially if it's a story that's really special to me, is going to inherently be different and have different colors. I mean, think about it in terms of food. Like, just because you went to a good Italian restaurant on Thursday... If a friend tells you an, an even different one, but is also Italian, you will still go to that new one next week if you love Italian food and be interested
0: mm-hmm.
1: in what makes that one taste different and why. And then you might go to both. Might, maybe you have two of eight favorite Italian restaurants. Not everything has to be necessarily in competition. Audiences um, are looking for things that they like that are in the same genre. I love dystopian sci-fi and I will just watch that all the time. And if there's four different Mm -hmm. shows and I go, great, I've got four shows. to watch. Yeah.
0: I've got another one. Yeah. And this is actually what you were just talking about. Makes me want to circle back to the idea generation part of this. And I think right now, because there are so many content creators, like you said, we have a, you know, whole filmmaking studio in our pocket. Um, The industry is much more wide open than it used to be. All the distribution platforms, streaming services, YouTube, et cetera, that, The only thing you really have to make you stand out are the things that are distinctly you. Mm. And so, and I think this is also sort of what you were talking about, is a, like you know, SoCal coming of age story in the seventies, your forte? No, someone could write that so well. That's right. not your story. Now, if you felt so passionately about it and and you had an emotional end to like a character journey, and then you wanted to go and like do interviews and whatever, of course. But I think, especially when you're starting out, if we're talking about like early writers who are, you know, just sort of like crippled by the process, you have to think about what it is that, what's the story you can tell that no one else can, or the way that you can tell it that no one else can, or what are the details of your life or your experiences or your perspective or the place you're from. And they're probably the things that you don't notice Mm. because they're the fabric of your life, you know? So it's like write dialogue that sounds like the way the people around you talk and, you know, pick up the little, I mean, you know, we just finished watching Mo, and I think it's, you know, so wonderful. Talk about, for me, like, being able to see an Arab American story on screen, like totally my heart just flew through the roof, you know, and all the things that just resonated beautifully. But also it's like Houston, all these places that are so specific that that to me is incredibly fresh and new. And a lot of his experiences I've not experienced. And if he had tried to just like write a coming of age story anywhere else of any type of person it might not have been that compelling, but because he really pulled from all the different fabrics in his life and mm. said, "like that's enough. This is th- this combination of things in my life, even though it's totally normal to me, is interesting enough to use as fodder." And then, of course, he puts it into you know an right. interesting format, and yeah. then
1: that works for him makes
0: it that works for him. But like this jumping off point, you know, is authentic.
1: Wow, you, you, you're bringing up something too that I remember uh, us talking about in the past. Is sometimes you'll have a a friend or a business colleague or an agent or a manager or someone a, a coach uh, they pitch you an idea that's in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. and it's just not you. But the thing you want to make doesn't make any sense to anyone else, but it makes sense totally, to you, right? Totally. Like, what are you, why are you making this film about this when really what's selling now is this or or what people think you are, yeah, right? Exactly. Like
0: I had so many people, I was, you know, writing a spec a few years ago, and they thought I should write one for girls. And I watched girls, and I enjoyed girls, but I enjoyed girls because I was like, that was so not my life. And, yeah. and I, you know, I grew up in the inner city, in Pittsburgh, and, you know, just a, a whole different, a whole different life experience. And, and I, like, remember sitting down and trying really hard to go, okay, if I were to write an episode of Girls, like, what would I... What would I write? And just, right. like, I have no idea. I have no idea. And the thing that I might write might be a show that no one would ever think I should write on, but, like, you have to know thyself.
1: Because, I mean, when it takes two years sometimes to make a film or six months to make a short or t- two years to make a short, depending, um, whatever was popular right now by the time you're done with it it's going to feel like a two-year-old thing um and then maybe the thing that was weird that was your crazy little idea will be the thing when you're done with it in two years that people are gonna be like wow head of the curve it's there.
0: totally true if you're chasing a trend you're already behind yeah like that's already come and gone and it's going to take you a while to get your thing made so there we go
1: Community question time Community
0: questions So we got a few questions on social media um, From some folks who wanted to Have us address them in our podcast David Shatinoff says How has your location affected Your creative process On a micro or macro scale
1: that's a good question.
0: It is a good question, especially for us because we've moved a lot.
1: The industry is a little different in different places. So, for example, in L.A., I feel like there's a lot of push for creating TV shows and network shows and big movies. So there's a lot of wheeling and dealing feel to things. Where in New York, there's definitely a feeling of, you know, gritty art for art's sake. I felt like Pittsburgh was definitely much more, you know, about causes um, and community-based uh documentaries and things like that.
0: Something that for me comes to mind and how I'm influenced is just like what stories am I witnessing and experiencing like you're talking right. about Dee and what's happening culturally, how are people engaging with each other and also the locations themselves, you know? Yeah, like the
1: landscape. Landscape
0: and, and, and how much that affects who we are and what we do and the choices that we make. Um, so a lot of my work has been like pretty profoundly influenced, almost site-specific to the places that we've lived. Like, my first feature, Saudage, was a very New York story, you know, very much about a young person in New York and young people in New York and what that experience can be. Whereas, Hickster's is like totally about Leaving New York and moving to a more rural area, and what is that like cultural exchange like and, and such?
1: I like where we are in Atlanta right now because it's a little bit of a mix of all things. You know, you have the big Hollywood shows, and yet you also have folks who are still, you know, pretty gritty and making their own projects. There's obviously a lot of political stuff happening here. Uh, so I've really enjoyed being down here in Atlanta uh, for the past six months.
0: What also affects me is just like knowing what personnel might be in a specific place. That's and- right. And what their cost is because different it just costs different things to shoot in different places depending yeah. on what the permits look like, what the kind of crew rates are, what who has a car, who doesn't, who has their own gear, a who one. doesn't, you know. Who has so, a car. who has a car is a big one, it, it uh, greatly affects your budget depending on what cities you live in. So, cool. What's the next right, thank question? Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. All right, next question Adam Stein has creating a podcast been similar or different from making a film?
1: Oh, you know, that's interesting, Adam. I think that right now, because we're starting out, I'm not afraid to kind of just, you know, mm. find my voice together with the audience. Whereas a lot of time, a lot of that stuff happens before you even start filming because of the nature of pitching and raising money on a movie, and you have a bigger team.
0: Making a film usually is a pretty big production. Even a even a small film yeah. kind of requires a lot, whereas... This is literally me and you having a conversation with some microphones and a computer, you know? So I think this feels less daunting also because there is significantly less pressure to have it perfect, have it just right when it's the two of us having a conversation and we can kind of tweak it and learn and grow as we go. Um, And I don't advocate for people to like not make a film until they feel they have a huge budget and um, have it all perfect, but you do have a bit more pre-planning and and uh, and work that goes into that absolutely kind of, it's almost like this feels where we're at not I mean certain podcasts look they're like a whole production of a film me and you right now
1: uh- <laughs> it's also more immediate right like it's immediate the fastest yeah. you could probably turn around a film now you could do like social media content which is a little bit different but I feel like even if we were going at breakneck speed, the mm-hmm. faster, faster we can turn around a movie where people would think, ah, that sounds like a movie or a short film, would be months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas this might be a day, or if we're really, you know, we could do the interview in the morning and release it in the afternoon. So it's a much more immediate, I think.
0: Okay, last question for this week. All okay. right. Natalie Bensavenga, what is it really like to work on a film together? How do you separate your home life and work?
1: Oh, you want to go with that one first? Five.
0: Sure. I mean, you and I have different skill sets, which is really great. There are, you know, places where we overlap, but we complement each other really well. We work different positions on set. I think that we have a really easy rapport working together. It's always felt very fluid. Maybe the hardest thing is when we have to give each other critique because you want your partner to think you're awesome. And so it can, you know, when you genuinely need critique and you genuinely need advice, I think Now, I don't necessarily feel that, but I know early on there were some moments um, that was hard.
1: 14, 15 years into a relationship, um, 11 years just about married, you figure out things. I suppose this question would have been harder to answer specifically maybe when we were one year into knowing each other. Um, but like now it's it feels, the air we breathe. Yeah. It's like who we are. And I think for me too, it's, it gets to a point now where sometimes when we do things separately, you know, let's say you're doing a film, uh, with some other director and writer, or I'm doing something and I've cast other actors. It has that feeling of like when your favorite band, all of a sudden they do a solo record. <laughs> And they're like, wow, okay, I guess Yeah, he can play guitar with anybody, but it's weird that he's <laughs> not with his normal drummer, you know? And, and then there's also like a second-hand. I remember I was doing this shoot somewhere, and I just started talking in our sort of second-hand language that mm. we have. And the person was like, excuse me, what are you saying? I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: there is an ease, like, yeah. you know, you can... Blurt out half a word, and I probably know what yeah. you need me to grab. Same or... jokes, yeah, same
1: yeah. Re- movie because re- we watch so many movies together. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of our favorite thing to do when the kids mm-hmm. are down, and we go down and you know put on our headphones with the baby monitor in front, and we'll watch some really great film, and then we can reference it because we've watched so much yeah. together. Yeah, um, so we have a similar film language, even if. Our writing style is different. We still reference the same thing. Yeah,
0: it's true. We do have a very different style, but we understand... I think we understand each other's voices, too. We've read enough of each other's work. We know it's on each other's heart. Um, But separating work from the rest of life... I mean, that is something we've come up against. Lately, like, there's no time for anything now that we have two children. Um, So this hasn't crossed my mind in a while, but I do remember... I think maybe we were newlyweds. And I, I remember you specifically sort of being like, can we not talk about work right now?
1: It's kind of like when we everyone had to work from home at some point and the Zoom meeting was always sitting there in the living room. It's kind of like that, like, um, at any point, a, a a date could turn into a production meeting. You mm-hmm.
0: know? Yeah, <laughs> um, especially when things are busy.
1: Yeah, so, and then you're trying to think, what, what are those rules we can set up? What are those things we could say that say, you know, know, even if there's something coming through, even if your Apple Watch is buzzing, let's look at each other and and talk about life and where we are Mm -hmm. on a personal level.
0: Sometimes it can be tricky to even remember other parts of life because we are so deeply engrossed in the same fields. I had this moment, especially when we were living in L.A., of this kind of hilarious, shock like right like there are people who just think about completely different things all the time right and never think about the things that we talk about Um, so it can maybe be a little Insular at times.
1: I feel like this question may have been assuming more drama and we're like so not full of drama
0: I know I mean uh, we have a pretty pretty smooth thing going on which is I appreciate too because I never thought I would want to spend this much time with one person. I think that's pretty rare. Like, most people do go to work separate from their spouse that's true. and... That's There's whole know, comedy, comedy
1: routines about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you and I really spend, like, almost our entire lives together anymore. And we enjoy that and we get along and we inspire each other and enjoy raising our kids together and...
1: To the point that in our free time, we made a podcast.
0: I know, oh my gosh! Well, thank you so much for joining us in our very first podcast episode episode of Back to Your
1: Ones. Babe, we did it. Yeah, we did it. And this week, we talked about making a film from our point of view, but it's always great to bring in others. So we're going to have our first guest next week.
0: Yeah, Sam Benjamin will be joining us. He is an actor, writer filmmaker extraordinaire, and he is going to share with us why he and some of his pals from Liverpool, from the UK, got together and made a fantastic looking traditional British heist film.
1: Heist film. It
0: looks really fun. There's like a badass fight in an elevator, and I'm here for it.
1: How do you shoot that?
0: Yeah, it's like super cool. So we're going to hear why he and his friends got up and decided we're going to effing do this thing on our own and make it happen uh, and how they pulled it off.
1: This is Back to Your Ones. See you
0: next week. Peace.
1: Hey, fam. I just want to give a shout out to Justin Portis of Delicate Minds for writing our show intro music and also to Cody Gallo for giving us the AD cadence that we sampled in it. It's hot. Everyone back to your ones.